Even though you would sometimes disagree with him, he would listen. There are things that we can be doing right now to have open dialogue, to get public input, and to be able to make solid decisions for the state of Alaska. You know, politics, Mr. President, in my estimation, is a character test. Welcome to the Empty Office Podcast. I'm Mike Mason. Today, Senator Tobin and I are going to be joined by two people who have traveled to the state capitol to advocate on behalf of the Pacific community of Alaska. Senator Tobin, good morning. Good morning, Michael Mason. Okay, I'm going to do my best here. We're being joined today by Taffy Tola'afoa. Did I get close, Taffy? You got very close. It's Taffy Tola'afoa. I like it. Okay, now for the hard one. This is Lillian Uluki Viola. Did I get close, Lillian? Yes, that's correct. So uh, thank you both for joining us today. I very much appreciate it. So I, I did a little bit of research today, and uh, the stated mission of the Pacific Community of Alaska, which you two both represent, is to develop and strengthen Pacific Islander community throughout Alaska by building capacity through health and wellness practices, civic engagement, economic empowerment, bridging generational gaps, and balancing traditional values. So you're here for the civic engagement part, right? That's why you traveled to the, uh, to the Alaska State Capitol? I think we are here for all of it. Okay. Uh, so we came in to have conversations, and we've had um, a conversation earlier this week with um, a few of our um, Pacific Island, Native Hawaiian Pacific Island community that reside in Anchorage, I mean, in Juneau, about the needs of the community. Because, yes, Alaska is such a, a big state, and each community has their own needs. And so we had a conversation with the community two times this week, um, some community leaders. So uh, I noted that you have a special focus on the COVID, COVID-19 and, the, and vaccine and, and that kind of thing. Um, and we were talking earlier that uh, the Pacific Islander community was significantly impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic. Can you put that in some sort of context for me, if you don't mind? Yes, so the Pacific community of Alaska started because of COVID-19. We saw a lot of our community members amongst our Native Hawaiian Pacific Island community getting hospitalized and dying due to COVID-19. So our goal was to create a community health worker program where community members saw people who look like them talk about the COVID-19 vaccines. So we just take information from the state of Alaska, the CDC, in the National Institute of Health and bring that information and translate it for our community. And I noted that uh, you can contact a Pacific Community of Alaska community health worker. Uh, you can call or text 907-891-9996. Did you see the hesitancy to, uh, to embrace the vaccine in the Pacific Islander community that we've seen in some other uh, areas of Alaska? Yes, we did. And I think it stems from misinformation that was available readily, right? And Dr. You know, TikTok and Dr. Facebook was on it and it was very simple. And so people understood that because it was simple. However, the information that came from CDC, from the Anchorage Health Department was a little bit harder to understand. Um, and so it was harder for our folks to understand it without translation or having actual conversations about this is what it looks like when you know you get vaccinated 
And the reason why you have a series of vaccination is similar to the flu because there is, you know, the mutation that happens to COVID um, during the COVID pandemic, you know. And so having that discussion and helping people understand why you have to get another another shot and another shot, which really helped folks who are like, oh, we are, you know, we're, we continue to be, um, be told to do these things or get vaccinated without any information in our languages or even someone coming to explain these things to us. And so that was our role is like to go between our community and the resources so that our community are aware of the resources available and hopefully make a decision, right? That was the, the focus. It was bringing information, educating our folks and them making decisions for themselves. So one of the interesting things that you and I have talked about, Taffy, is that the Hawaiian Pacific Islander community often does things in large groups, and they have a lot of opportunity for family gatherings and for community gatherings, but the pandemic really shut all of those down. And so one of the things I've been thinking about is I trust my family members. I trust my community confidants. uh, I trust people who look like me to give me factual and accurate information But in this context, that wasn't happening. You couldn't just go to an event and hear from other experts, other community members. You had to rely on Dr. TikTok or Dr. Facebook. And that creates a real barrier into getting accurate information. That is very true. And so the way we work with our community is we requested access to the churches because that is where we gather. A lot of our folks are Um, members of different religious groups in in the Anchorage area. So our first part of the first part of our um, work was primarily in Anchorage. And so now with our new grant, the CHW2 work, which Community Health Worker 2, we were able to now expand it. And that's the reason why we're here in Juneau. And we plan on going up to work with our folks in Ukiavik. Um, and we were also in the Matsu Valley last month. So it's just expanding that work so that people across our community are aware of what's going on and how to access services. And Lillian, one of the things I thought was really interesting is this week you testified in support of Senate Bill 24, a bill that has been sponsored by Senator Gray Jackson on mental health in schools. And so I'm curious about the connection between what we've seen with the Hawaiian Pacific Islander community and mental health and accurate mental health education in our school system. So... Um, For mental health education, specifically amongst our Native Hawaiian Pacific Island community, we don't get that at home. So it's like we have a group of young people exposed to social media to have that connection, especially when COVID-19 did not allow us to gather. So we turn to social media, we use Zoom. Um, Our Pacific Community of Alaska board members, Vanessa and Dash, And I created the space for our Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander community in Alaska specifically, which was why we originated. We wanted to connect with our other youth across Alaska, but it ended up being nationwide and and then international. So we got to connect with our people just through peer support. But because uh, that's not happening in schools, um, we want to make sure that our youth, that seem to internalize a lot of that mental 
health stress and things happening at home, have school to actually talk about that with their peers and destigmatize so that they don't have to fall into depression and not have support at home. I wanted to ask, uh, go back to COVID-19 real quick. I was so immensely disappointed in how this thing that we were told was eventually going to happen, happened. And then it appears that as a culture and as a society, we were not ready for it. And it has caused immense distress across our country. I believe that COVID-19 has turned so political and so people are don't know who to trust, right? Systems continuing to do what it was made to do. And our folks, the, the, the most um, impacted communities are the ones that do not have access, right? And so I think that was that was the core of what the problem was is because it's a health Right. It was a it was a it still is like COVID is still a, a thing, um, but it is a medical. Right. And so therefore, there is a need to listen to the medical professionals, not politicians. But, you know, when leadership is where um, misinformation is coming from, people tend to listen. So the influence of leadership in you know, in this situation was very vital for communities of color and um, you know and even young people versus older folks in our community you know people have their own beliefs and that's amazing right but if you're listening to a president or a leader who does not have medical experience and go against your primary doctor or someone who has medical credentials you know that that makes it hard to reach people that needs to be reached. Are you still finding it hard, Lillian, to, uh, to reach into uh, uh, communities and, uh, and you know, get people vaccinated or get them information about how to be safe? For sure, yes. Um, last month, or actually this past month, we had a wellness clinic in the Matsu Valley. And what, since we're not a part of the Matsu community, our job was to... Pr- to reach out to our community through the churches. We went to the grocery stores just to find our people out there, our Native Hawaiian Pacific Islanders. And when we did show up, um, there was a lot of hesitation due to beliefs, um, some of them very valid, all of them very valid, and some of them being religious beliefs. And we just wanted to bring that information to the churches. And if they didn't want to take the vaccine, we respected that, but we just wanted to make sure that they were given all the information and had the option to attend our wellness clinic. Senator Tobin, what's the impact of the COVID-19 pandemic on this building that we're sitting in right now, the the work of the Alaska State Legislature? Oh, Mike, that is a, a big question. I was here actually in this empty office when we had the governor announce the first case of in Alaska. And I remember looking around the room and thinking, we're about to enter into something that is going to be so destructive and dominate our cultural, social, emotional, and political ties in perpetuity. I was not wrong. It continues to be this undercurrent of stress and destruction that many of us are 
trying so valiantly to elevate, but yet also to put in perspective, there was a lot of harm done during the pandemic. And what I am also learning is there is some beautiful things that we should elevate and really tout. I believe this community coming together is a great example of that. I do not believe this group uh, existed before the pandemic. I think having these advocates in this space wouldn't have happened before the pandemic. And so we have to point to those and say, we've learned something, but also we need to continue to be diligent and vigilant in how the COVID-19 disease is continuing to ravage particular spaces where misinformation is just rampant. So uh, the empty office that we are recording in is part of the Alaska State Capitol. Uh, Lillian and uh, Taffy have been in the Capitol, I think, for a couple of days. Tell me what you think of this, uh, of this institution and the people that are working in here and the people you have talked to the past couple of days. Are they, are they receptive to what you are saying? Are they just in general, what's your impression about your state government in this building? I would say that my experience has been amazing here. People have been very receptive on both sides of of the political spectrum. And, you know, people are willing to listen. And, you know, people were writing, had their um, office staffers write and, you know, notes. And people wanted to connect us with with other, like the health, like the Alaska Health Department. Um, So I would say that we had a great experience here. Um, We heard a lot about thank you for thanking us for bringing this to their um to their attention because in the past like yes as senator tobin um talked about we did not exist before covid we had our own thing going for ourselves and you know a few of us participated in the equity distribution vaccination clinic um group that was put together by the anchorage health department and that is when we saw the need in our community. And so a few of us got together. Um, we reached out to all, right? That was in the beginning. We reached out to all um, of those um, that we knew in our community um, had influence in our community to come together. And the folks that came together were the people that started Pacific Community of Alaska. Lillian, what are your thoughts? Uh, perhaps not even so much about like the, the topic that you came here to talk about, but what are your thoughts about walking around the halls, seeing all these people in suits and ties and, and uh, you know, all dressed up, going from meeting to meeting, talking about, uh, you know, this bill or that bill? What are your what kind of your thoughts about this building? Honestly, being here was intimidating at first because I'm not one to enter spaces like this. But I feel like going to different offices kind of gave a human perspective to who everyone was. Because I always see articles, I always see people on Facebook, and I always hear things, and I see bills move and bills not move. And so I'm like, okay, this is where it all happens and where things change for the good or the bad. And it just put that human perspective that everyone is human and it's not just robots making these decisions for us. So I think for me, it was just an interesting human experience. So when I first came to Alaska, I had no idea that this state, especially the Anchorage area, was home to so many people from Hawaii and the Pacific Islands or are of Pacific Islander descent. 
but there is a huge community uh, in many places in, in the state of Alaska. Why has the community that you represent and are advocating for thrived in a place? Or perhaps, uh, Taffy, I think you said survived in a place uh, like Alaska uh, and hope, hopefully going to thrive. Uh, why has that happened? I'm not sure if um, my story is similar to most stories. Um, the reason why my, my family moved from the islands to Alaska was in search of better opportunities and, you know, better life. Um, and that was the key, the key, right? That was the reason why my parents decided to move from the islands to here, is to have us, their children, have better opportunities. And so I hope I share that same experience. With, and I feel like that's probably our story, is that most of us came here in search of opportunities. However, when we now that we're here, I feel that most Pacific Islanders, Native Hawaiian Pacific Islanders, are not thriving we are surviving. And COVID-19 pandemic really elevated that and really showed us this is what it looks like. In the beginning of the pandemic, our community was lumped together in data, right, with um, the Asian American community. The Asian American community is a very big community in Alaska, and the Native, and the Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander community is a much smaller community. So when data came out, Originally, our community was lost in that data. Until that data was disaggregated, we were then able to see that our community was most impacted, the Native Hawaiian Pacific Islander community, which then led us to work intentional, right, do intentional work and provide intentional interventions that fits the community that we serve. And so... And that's one of the, the beautiful things that came from COVID, right? Like people and leaders within our community came together to work on issues that will hopefully someday in the future will lead to our, our children thriving and living in Alaska. In a previous conversation, Senator Tobin noted for me that there have been some discernible demographic shifts in some areas of Anchorage with more people of Pacific Islander community in, in, in certain areas. Why is that? That's a really good question. I know the community that I have the privilege of representing here in the capital has a very strong Samoan uh, Pacific Islander Hawaiian community. And it is intriguing to me because you can see these shifts at places like East High School uh, you can see them sp specifically in the Fairview area. And I find it to be a fabric that is becoming more colorful and the tapestry is more beautiful. One of my favorite things about Fairview is walking by the Fairview Lions Park and hearing the choir sing on Sunday afternoons. And they sit underneath the uh, cover for the park and just make gorgeous music. And that is a song that permeates the Fairview area, which is absolutely intriguing. I am assuming folks have moved into this area because it is more affordable, because it is close to services, uh, because it's also where other folks have found housing and then brought their community. I know I was walking around during, a, during my campaign and ran into Taffy who had just moved into the area and it was very surprising to me. It's always fun to see new neighbors but also uh, an experience because it wasn't just Taffy who moved next door. It was some other folks. 
It was my whole entire family, right? Not my whole entire family. Um, we have a very, very big family, and we all live across the Anchorage community. But, um, yeah, it was all, like, so we now have a fourplex in the Fairview area, and all families occupying the fourplex. Because we live in multi-generational homes, all families within the fourplex are all members of my family like sisters and brothers and mom and dad, nieces and nephews, so and my children. So I'm going to put both of you on the spot for our final, uh, uh, final topic, final question is, and I've been asking this of every guest, and I should have told you beforehand, but I did not. Lillian, if you could choose anybody, dead or alive, give them a vote and drop them into the Alaska State Legislature to help us out, just choose, who, who would you think should be here to, to represent your community or who would be able to, 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 to help us out here in the Alaska State Legislature? That is a really great question. Honestly, I, I feel like there's a lot of great Pacific Native Hawaiian Pacific Island community members, and I would love to see any of us in the state legislature. Taffy, one person, dead or alive, they get a vote, and they get to sit next to Senator Tobin on the floor of the Alaska State Senate. Who should that be? I think the leader that comes to mind right now is Tupua Tomasese. He was um, um, the leader of the Mao movement um, in Samoa, which led to um, Samoa becoming an independent state, right? Um so there's two Samoas. So when you see us, please know that we are from two different Samoas. There's American Samoa and there's the independent state of Samoa. And Tupua Tamasese was one of our leaders that stood up against um, colonization and, you know, supremacy power that tried to, you know, um, take over our land. And, um, and so that is the reason why Samoa um, is now, independent state of Samoa is now a country of its own. So you've been listening to the Empty Office podcast, which is a production of the office of Senator Lukey Gail Tobin. You can subscribe to the podcast on Substack and the Apple podcast app. And if you uh, like what you hear, please leave a positive review that will help spread the word. I'm Mike Mason. So please be safe out there. <laughs>